Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on the founder of Changing the Game Project, John O'Sullivan. And this was such an unbelievable conversation. And there are going to be so many people that get so much out of it. But John's background is mostly in soccer. Uh, he was a Division One player, Division One coach in soccer, played a little bit professionally as well. And now he has gone on kind of similar to what we've done here at the Hockey Think Tank to go on and create this Changing the Game Project, which is a big education platform for all players, parents, and coaches to get better at whatever sport it is that they are, uh, that they are in. And uh, he's written a couple books, Every Moment, Every Moment Matters and Changing the Game. He has a podcast, which is called Way of Champions, which is amazing as well. And uh, his changingthegameproject.com is the website uh, that he has. And guys, this is just a fantastic conversation. Can't wait to get to it. But before we do, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio Vex. Up today, brother. Not much, dude, but I am fired up after this conversation. Like, this was so good. You know, like we just said right before we hit record for the intro, this is so good for me to hear, so good for you to hear, so good for any coach or parent that's trying to help their kid get better at, at sports or life to hear. I'm, uh, I needed this one. This one was awesome. Yeah, I almost feel like we need to do because just to bring you in a little bit behind the curtains of our podcast and how we do it. Sometimes based on schedules, we're able to do the intro kind of right after we get off the, the zoom interview with uh, the person that we're talking to. Sometimes it takes a day or two just to kind of align schedules. And, and we're doing this one right after uh, we just spoke to John and God, I'm fired up. I'm so fired up right now to be a coach and just so much wisdom, so much perspective and just a lot of things that we can use in our daily lives to make us better, whether we're a parent, whether we're a coach, whether we're a player, just just as a human being. And uh, we got a lot out of this one, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, I wrote stuff down. Usually you're writing it down. And <laughs> I, I wrote stuff down and I'm an, I literally the sticky note I wrote down is going to be on my desk tomorrow for uh, as long as I have that desk. So um, this was really powerful. Yeah, that Western Michigan edumacation coming out in full force here, right? Yeah, that old edumacation, baby. I can still write. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, so before we get over to John, we want to mention, because this is a big deal, Jeff. This is a huge deal that I want to talk about right now. Uh-oh. Like the biggest thing ever in the history of the world type big deal. The biggest thing ever in the entire world just happened. We're recording on a Thursday. 
and uh, this happened yesterday, but the first iteration of the My Hockey Rankings came out uh, yesterday. And so the hockey world is a buzz. Some people happy, some people not so happy. A lot of people, you know, oh, it's a big deal, man. What's going on? How's things in St. Louis? You guys doing okay? (laughs) I don't get on Twitter too much anymore, but I did see on Twitter that they came out and oh my God. Uh, I know the kids are stoked and the guys I train, a bunch of them, they're ranked number one for the U18 AAA. And I just had to bring them back to earth. Like you guys have played nine games. <laughs> I'm glad that's cool. And, you know, be happy about what you've accomplished so far, but it means nothing. It means nothing. And it means nothing. Does it mean nothing? It means nothing to uh, me. There you is go. what it means. Yeah, yes. It, it's uh it's crazy, man. Like it's like, <laughs> Even like the guys in the business who like know that my hockey rankings mean nothing. It's so funny because they'll post up on Instagram on their team pages and stuff. You know, it's like, Hey, our team's number, whatever in the country, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so I always like text them. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you buying into this BS? So they, so here's the thing, right? Is they don't, they think it's absolutely foolish. However, it's unbelievable marketing because that's all anybody wants to talk about. Right. That's you're, you're, you know, you're, What's the word I'm not propagating? You're you're just like you. You keep this thing going. Like it means something. It means nothing. <laughs> uh, that is true. That is true. So I just thought we would bring that up here because I mean, this is this is a monumental time in the history of our game. <laughs> every year, every year, the my hockey rankings comes out on what is it? I think it's every Wednesday. And, uh, no, I don't care about <laughs> apparently this Wednesday was the first time that, uh, that it happened. So, um, my condolences to everybody who, whose team was not as high as they would have, would have liked. Um, hopefully you're not holding, uh, too much regard to your coaches for that stuff because it literally means absolutely nothing. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about John O'Sullivan, dude, because this was incredible. And it's like the antithesis of this whole stupid, my hockey ranking stuff. Honestly, it was the, it is the antithesis. Like it, it truly is like the total opposite. And, uh, I couldn't be more happy that we're talking about my hockey rankings and going right to Mr. John here because like unreal podcast, um, you know, the river transformation versus transaction, like transformational versus transactional coaching, thinking, uh, you know, way of approaching things. I just, uh, I really love this one and I'm literally going to like use this today. I'm literally going to put into action some of the things we talked about literally today. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. And a big one for me too, was I've always been very interested in the relationship between like the parents and the coaches and just kind of as a whole, you know, because there's so much that goes into it. There's so many different ways to, to go about dealing with certain things. And as, as someone in, in our position with this podcast and, and everything that we've been doing, we kind of hear both sides of it, right? You hear about the coaches when they have the gripes with the parents, you hear about the parents when they have the gripes with the coaches and there's a lot of stuff in between. And I think John gave us an unbelievable perspective onto just that whole dichotomy and, and how to kind of deal with it from both sides and, and his changing the game project literally changes the game. I mean, he's put out so many information and it's really cool too, because I see a lot of what he's done and it's a lot of what we've tried to do and what I've tried personally to do. Um, our paths are similar. We were both division one coaches. We both left division one coaching for various reasons. And, and then we kind of saw what was going on in youth sports from having recruited and from then being in it. 
And, and we saw this just very real need for parent and coach education. And so our philosophies and how we've gone about doing things have mirrored a lot of each other. And his is huge. Like he does a, a ton of great things and, and things like that. Um, but it's just really cool to kind of see behind his curtain of what he believes in, how we can ch- literally change the game, which is the name of his company, because we're at a point right now where things do need to change. And we talk about it all the time. The the pressure that's on these kids, the pressure that's on these parents, the pressure that's on these coaches for varying different reasons, based on whether you're one of the three, um, we just need to, to kind of give the sports back to the kids and, and really focus on the things that are going to help them at the end of the day, become thriving members of our society because that's the most important thing hockey and soccer and any sport only takes us so far but the things that we learn in these uh times that we're in these sports that's going to carry us for for the rest of our lives and whatever it is we choose to do after we hang up the skates 100 percent. like we always say like for me i mean you know, i didn't play a ton of other sports uh after probably like sixth grade uh, by that, I mean, I played no other sports, uh, for real after sixth grade, I only played hockey, but from what I've seen, hockey is one of the best teachers to make you successful in life after hockey, whether you finish playing hockey in seventh grade, eighth grade, after high school, after juniors, after college, or you play pro of any amount of time, like you find ways to be successful in hockey that will help you find ways to be successful in life and caring and a good teammate, good employee, good employer, all these things. Like we talk about all the time and, and having coaches that are coaching in the way that John talks about is just going to make more successful human beings post hockey. Um, I truly believe. So I, I, you know, listen to this one and share it people because this is a powerful one. Like yeah, this, was this is a powerful one. one. Yeah, this was a powerful one. And I, and I love just the, the sentiment of, hey, our, our job at the end of the day is to make the kids better and to teach them stuff. But if we're not teaching the parents and the coaches how to teach the kids and having these upfront conversations and it, it doesn't happen. You know, if you're not teaching the teachers, the kids aren't going to get any better. So yeah, just, just an awesome conversation. Like you guys are going to get so much out of this one. And I encourage everybody here to check out John and changing the game project and everything that he's doing, because uh, he's doing a great service for the sports world and and the youth sports world in particular. And uh, just, just an awesome guy. So I got the chance to talk to him a few weeks ago before the podcast. And then we just got to do this this week. And, and uh, he's just, he's very thoughtful, um, he's had a lot of great experiences and he's got a great opinion on just, uh, on just how to go about this, this crazy sports world, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I already, I already subscribed to his podcast, like a lot, <laughs> mid, I think five minutes in, I subscribed to his podcast. I was like, let's go. I'm going to listen to this while I yeah. go today. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So let's get over to John, but first we do have a ton of people to thank we want to thank Gel Sticks, our title sponsor. Thank you for being with us every step of the way. Gel Sticks is a company that makes weighted training, not just hockey sticks, but lacrosse sticks and golf clubs as well to help you get and maximize your, if you're a hockey player, your shot. And uh, John Lounsbury, who is one of the founding members of it, uh, huge, huge, huge beauty and uh, a great guy. Um, so been on the uh, podcast before. Been on the podcast before. Go to gelstx.com and and enter the coupon code think tank one word for a discount on your waiting trading sticks. Jeffrey Lavecchio, you want to head off with Train Heroic? Yeah, thanks to Train Heroic, the app where I house all of my training programs. It's the app I use all with all of my teams, the seven 
junior teams, college teams, youth teams, organizations I worked with all summer, all the people who do my train with me program, by the way, any listeners out there looking to get in shape and are, are, are looking for a serious challenge. I let anyone and everyone who wants to do my personal workouts with me day after day, join my online training team. So you can go to my Instagram or you can just go to, uh, you know, the Google machine, type in uh, train heroic ripped hockey and you'll find my train with me team. And if you want to be challenged or you want to be yoked and hot like me, <laughs> Try it. First seven days are free. It's only, it's barely a dollar a month, $35 a dollar a day. It's $35 a month. And you will be in the best shape of your life ever if you commit to yourself. And honestly, there's no better time than right now to focus on your health. So thank you to Train Heroic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And also thank you to icehockeysystems.com, the best website out there for all of your coaching needs. You have draw drillings, drill. I, I can never say that right. You have drill drawing software. Uh, and there's also a platform. There's thousands of drills, thousands of whiteboard explanations. All of our content from the hockey think tank uh, is on there now as well. Our hockey think tank parent survival guide is up there. Um, and then we have partnered with them to do an association platform where you can, for a very low cost, you can use all of the bells and whistles that ice hockey systems has to prepare your practices, educate your parents, make your players better. Um, and so go to icehockeysystems.com slash associations. And, uh, again, low cost, but can provide huge, huge value for your organization. Um, every coach gets it. Every parent gets it. Every player gets it. And, uh, just a great, great value add for anybody out there. So, uh, thank you to them. And finally, last and most importantly, not least the most important people we want to thank every episode is you, the listeners. And we continue to push these out, uh, because we have enjoyed all of the back and forth and conversations that we've had with you after bringing on these awesome guests like John O'Sullivan. So uh, please continue to provide us feedback, whether it's through ratings and reviews, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it's through uh, um, DMs on social media, whether it's email, whatever it is, uh, we live for those conversations. And, and when we do get the feedback that we're making the hockey world a better place, that's what fuels us even more to, to continue to make this podcast, hopefully the, the best hockey podcast out there. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for continuing to um, we, we got to be getting close to our, our third year anniversary here, Vex. I think we started it in November, I want to say, a while back. Yeah, I think so, you're right. Yeah, wow. so we're getting Wild. close. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to support what we do and continuing to support the people who support us in gel sticks and ice hockey systems and train heroics. So uh, you guys, uh, obviously, like you're going to love this episode. This, this episode was unbelievable. John O'Sullivan is a great guy and uh, get your notepads out and, and ready because there's a, a lot of fire coming with this one. So uh, without further ado, here we go with John O'Sullivan. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, he is one of the top, top people in youth sports, in teaching youth culture. And uh, I've, I've been following John for quite some time now. Uh, he's got a podcast, Way of Champions, that's amazing, and uh, a website, uh, Changing the Game Project, uh, which I've learned a ton from. And in this uh, crazy, crazy youth hockey world, it's, it's uh, de-stressed my life a little bit. So very, very appreciative. Uh, John O'Sullivan, how are we doing today? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to uh, be here and chat with you today. This is fun. <laughs> for sure. Now, how is it being on the other side of the podcast? Because you have a great podcast and way of champions where you're, you know, the one that's doing the interviews and asking the questions. Do you have fun being on the other side of it? I feel like Vex and I have a lot of fun doing that too. Yeah, I, I definitely do. You know, it was funny. The podcast idea started many years ago. I was in England and I was, um, uh, teaching, I was speaking at a conference for, you know, private school athletic directors and I, I got there. I was in, it was in, uh, Oxford and, um, I got there and I met up with a friend from, uh, UK coaching and a friend from the English FA. And we sat down for about three hours, had a couple beers. And at the end of that, we were like, man, we should have recorded that. That was really good. And, um, and then two of us, my friend, Stuart Armstrong and I walked out of there and decided to start a podcast after that. So I like being on this side of it, but I always feel like even when I'm on the other side of it, it's just a conversation with people that I would love to go have a coffee with or love to go, uh, you know, have a beer with and, and talk about stuff that interests me like coaching and culture and youth sports and parent engagement and all that. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I feel like, you know, it's just the, the only thing I don't have to be responsible for today was coming up with good questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, that's funny. I mean, we kind of felt the same way how we fell into the podcast game too. You know, we having coached where we coach and play where we play, we felt like we had some, some knowledge to give and um, we've been doing this Vex probably almost three years now. Right. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to invite people into the room in, in our conversations. And I think the byproduct of it, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but like, I feel like I've learned so much from the people that we've been able to bring on here and then, so just, much. yeah. And then just allowing, you know, everybody else who, who listens to, to the podcast now uh, to kind of get in on that and, and learn some of that too. So it's been a great it's been a great three years just for our own professional and personal development. And, and uh, I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, at some point I, I tell people like, you know, even if no one listened to it, I'd still do it because I feel <laughs> like I've learned so much. I've become a better coach, a better dad, a better spouse, you know, all these things because of it. And, um, you know, my, my partner on the podcast, Jerry Lynch, he always says, you know, I'm like a flute and all this like good info from all these people comes in. And I just, it tries to, I try to make it sound good when it comes back out. And, you know, my last book, every moment matters was the first 150 podcast interviews and kind of what I learned there. And we're almost up to another hundred since then. So, 
um, it's pretty, pretty crazy for sure. But yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I've learned so much um, from it that um, I, it's hard not to say that there's a little bit of selfishness of <laughs> continuing to do it for sure. A good, a good selfishness, right? <laughs> yeah, good selfishness, a good selfishness. <laughs> uh, well, good stuff. Well, I, I do want to ask you about some of the things that you have going on, because if you're a hockey coach or a hockey parent, or not just hockey, but any sports coach or parent, I, I think the information that you give out through all of your platforms, like I'm going to say they're must reads and must listens. Uh, because they're, they're so, it just puts so much, Jeff and I talk about perspective all the time. Like that's one of our favorite words to, to talk about. Um, it just gives you so much perspective, but I, I'm interested in, in how you got here. Um, so you started changing the game project and, and if you can, can you just like talk to our listeners a little bit about what changing the game project is and how and why you went about starting it? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, I, I grew up uh, on Long Island. Uh, in the eighties, Long Island, Long Island. (laughs) Right. But you know what, um, back then, as as you guys know, in the hockey, you know, the NHL was very different. I I went to high school with Al Arbor's daughter. Oh, right. So, um, the New York Islanders were winning four Stanley cups. And, and so I never played competitive hockey, but you know, on the weekends I used to go play pond hockey with all my friends, you know, and, I remember that specifically because I played all these sports, right? And I played soccer and I, I was a wrestler and I, I, you know, everyone in Long Island plays lacrosse at some time and whatever. And I played baseball and, but I always played pond hockey. And, um, you know, when I come home and leave the house at, you know, 8 a.m. Saturday morning and, and come back when it got dark, my, my parents never said when I walked back in, they, they never said, did you win? Right. Like you have a good day. Did anyone fall through the ice? Like, okay, it was a good day. Right. And, and so I just grew up with a whole bunch of guys that, you know, played every sport and, uh, you know, some of us went on and played college or pro soccer and some went on and played college hockey and some went on and played college golf and wrestling and all these different things. And I just, I just think back to those moments. And so as I got into, you know, I, I, I played division one soccer, I played pro for a little while. I had some bad injuries and I got into coaching. And, uh, so I coached at university of Vermont for four years and, um, got to basically, you know, coaching became my passion. And I went to Ann Arbor after that. And then I moved out here to Oregon almost 16 years ago now. And when I did that, uh, I was coaching full-time, but then I felt like I wasn't really making a difference. And my own kids at that time were getting into sports. And I was looking at sports now from a parent's perspective and not just a coach's perspective or an athlete's perspective. And when I was doing that, I was saying, man, these parents have no idea. Like they're just lacking information on athlete development on what, what does good actually look like and how to be patient and all these different things. And, and so I decided I was really burnt out on just the day-to-day running an organization. So I decided to step aside and, and write a book, which became my first book, changing the game. Um, and then I realized it's actually not super hard to, to write a book. It's super hard to sell a book, um, <laughs> you know, to like teach people that you actually have a book. Um, and so I started a blog and it was the blog that became really popular first and then led to a Ted talk. And then that led to tons of speaking opportunities and the podcast and, and everything from there. And so it, it went at first with, Hey, let me help parents to, well, wow, I've been coaching for over 20 years and I've done all the certifications and everything like that. Maybe, you know, I, 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 I can help coaches as well and not just soccer coaches, because I think, you know, if you, if the three of us sit down and talk coaching, right. 
you have all the X's and O's of hockey and I have it in soccer, but where we meet in the middle, communication, motivation, leadership, culture, that's coaching, right? One thing makes you a trainer and the rest of it makes you a coach. And so I'm like, I can talk coaching to people in any sport. And so, yeah, I mean, pre-COVID, I was, you know, my last trips I was working with uh, in Italy for the International Ski Federation. Right before that, I was um, working for um, rugby league in Australia and everything in between. So I stand in front of rooms of coaches that I know nothing about coaching their sport, but, um, but they all want to know how do we connect, communicate, and inspire kids. And so that's what I really love to do. That's awesome. And something that makes me, that makes me think of immediately is a show that Tove put me on and I'm sure all coaches watch it. Ted Lasso. Have you watched that show? I, I have. It's awesome. Like, like he's not, he's not a soccer coach, but he starts, yeah. you know, doing unbelievable things because he's just a coach coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had something on our podcast and I bring this up like probably every third episode and he's an unbelievable skills coach in the NHL and for, you know, college junior hockey players, probably one of the best in the country, Adam Nicholas. And he said like all coaches should learn from teachers mm-hmm. on how to communicate the messages, how to teach whatever their philosophies are so that they can become a better coach. And it sounds like you're the guy teaching the coaches how to coach. And that's just so, so important and so cool. If you had like one piece of advice for me as a coach right now, cause I do this every single day, coaching athletes in the gym, just selfishly, since I have you here, <laughs> I know it's hard to boil it down to one, but what would you say to me? Every single day, let your athletes know that you're in it for them that you have their best interest in mind. Okay. I mean, I think that's it, right? I mean, people might call that caring. They might call that emotional intelligence, right? They, a lot of things fall into that. But I mean, you have to think about your own career, right? As a player, when you have a coach and you know that that coach has your best interest in mind, getting you to a place that you've never been before, you are going to go through the wall with that coach. And this is about trust. And this is about being believable. And this is about being vulnerable. And, and I think that's, that's coaching. And I think athletes turn off and it doesn't matter what you've done as an athlete, right? Like I've talked to coaches who I've talked to coaches who have played for some of the greatest players in the world who are now in coaching. And they're like, they've lost the locker room in a week. <laughs> yeah, they've lost the locker room in a week. And awesome. so, th- th- I mean, that that's my piece of advice right there. And when I ask other coaches that, like, that's pretty much what they say as well. Love that. Yeah. So you mentioned like losing a locker room in a week, like as a coach, what are some things that you can do aside from really diving in individually with every player so they know that you have their back? What are some things that you can do to gain the locker room and gain the trust of your team? And and maybe what are some pitfalls to, to lose the locker room, like you just said? I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on what level you're coaching at, sure. right? Yeah. I mean, when Steve Kerr has been on the podcast talking about, you know, walking into an NBA locker room, you have to have a, a skill set of knowledge and, and be believable that you can help them from a basketball perspective. He said, but then, you know, you go beyond that to the human perspective, right? That I'm in it for you. And, and, and that's about those individual moments. Now, this doesn't mean you have to have an hour sit down each week as a youth coach with every one of your players. That's impossible. But, you know, we call these like rule of one moments, one person, one comment, one time, pull a kid aside, you know, 
talk to him, tell him that you see him working hard, tell him that you see it's, it's coming, whatever, compliment him, catch him being good, send him back out on the ice takes 30 seconds, right? Uh, you know, a, an email to him and his parents, if you're working with youth players, a note in the locker room, if you're working with senior players, little things like that, like the, they, they last for forever. I mean, people, people ask me why I've written books. It's because when I was in 11th grade in this Catholic school on Long Island, you know, um, this, um, you know, English teacher of mine, Franciscan brother, you know, gave me an F on a paper. And, and I asked him, I was like, brother Jeff, like, why, why are you giving me an F? I know this paper is not an F. He goes, I didn't give you an F because of what, what you wrote. I gave, you know, or what everyone else wrote, I gave you an F because what you're capable of writing. And, and this is terrible. And then, you know, because it was, you know, the eighties, he took all my books and he threw them out the third story window and picked <laughs> me out of class. And, and he was like, now don't come back uh, until you're willing to give me your best effort because you are a great writer. Wow. That's wow, powerful. That's 40 years ago. Yeah. I still remember it. <laughs> it's such a good lesson too, just about the beauty of relationships and how important relationships are in coaching because the better relationship you have with one of your players, the more you're able to do and have the tough conversations like that. And I would imagine that this, this, uh, this teacher had some sort of investment in you where you felt like you cared about him because that can go the complete opposite way. If, if he throws all your books out, but you, you don't think that he cares about totally. you, then it goes the other way. Right. <laughs> totally. And, and, and that's the thing, right. You can't do that on the first day. Cause then you're just an asshole. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you, you, you know, investment's such a good word, like, because the, he had made so many deposits in the bank of, of trust, right. With me, that he was in it for me that that moment. And I'm not saying that I wasn't pissed off in that moment or that I wasn't having a bad day or, or whatever. Um, but, but I couldn't look at that situation, um, without the perspective of that guy's always been in it for me. I consider he's one of my favorite teachers. Right. And, and so that's such a huge piece. Then, um, then I think what was secondarily back that up was that when I got home that day and I told my my parents about it, my dad sat me down. Right, He didn't call the school. He didn't <laughs> complain about the teacher. Right. He didn't call the principal. My dad listened to the whole story and said, well, was he right? And I said, yeah, he was. And he goes, then what are you complaining about? Right. Then what are you complaining about? You should thank him. How much more so, do you? do we need of that right now? Are you seeing a lot of coaches and I guess probably parents too, that aren't holding uh, their kids, their students, their players accountable to the standards that they, they know that they can. Like, I feel like that's a major problem right now. I, I do think it's a major problem um, in, and, and if you talk to people who work in schools, if you talk to people who are teachers, you talk to people who are coaches there's this immediate quick trigger that whenever something goes wrong with a kid, it's how do I get my kid out of this mess, right? Or, or you know, who can I blame for my kid's problems instead of saying this is an opportunity for my son or my daughter to, to learn and grow, right? I have kids who are in high school, you know, they, they compete for spots on, you know, varsity teams or whatever. And, and if they're not playing as much, it, it's, it's very easy to go, oh, well, the coach is stupid or your teammates or why is that person playing? 
but I, I think the, the way that you help your child in that moment is to say, have you done everything possible you can to get on that field? Right. Do you show up early? Do you stay late? Did you ask the coach to stay after practice with you and work on X, Y, and Z? Are you in the best shape you've ever been in your life? Are you an amazing teammate? You know, do, do you, or do you bring negativity to the bench or the locker room? Like if you can tick all those boxes, then yeah, maybe I'll go talk to a coach for you. But until that moment, like you got to do everything you can. And that's not, I mean, that's not a sports lesson. That's just like a life lesson right there. And I totally agree, Jeff, like we need more of that. And, and I think any principal, any school teacher could tell you right now, every time they give an, a failing grade, they know the phone calls are coming and they're not, Hey, how can I help my kid get better? They're usually what's wrong with you. How dare you fail my son? And that's really sad. That is really sad. And uh, it's, it's such an unfortunate part of, you know, like, not like we're talking about, not just youth sports, but even more importantly in, in education, because education takes you a lot farther than sports can for most people. Um, but it, it is such a, like the coach parent relationship is one that's really interesting for me. And, and you've done so much work on this and uh, it, it's, it's just a tough balance sometimes because there is this Sometimes the parents are right, but also sometimes the coaches are right. You have coaches in this business model of youth sports that's uh, become so prevalent that the parents just, they freak out because there's so much information or not enough information or not the right information that's coming by. So they don't really know what to do. So they start freaking out. And then the coaches freak out because the parents are freaking out and the coaches don't think that the parents should be freaking out because they're the boss, because they're the coach. And I know soccer or hockey or whatever better than the parents. And it's just this like, really un <clears throat> excuse me this really unhealthy relationship between organizations and sports clubs and coaches and and the parents and and i'm wondering what kind of work you've been doing to help to try and ease that and if that's something that you've seen a lot because sometimes parents come to me and i'm like yeah that's actually really valid <laughs> you know um yeah. but sometimes yeah, i see this but like hear things from parents i'm like you're nuts and you need to do what we just <laughs> talked about as well so how do you kind of like go about working with both sides to make sure that we can all be on the same page because I feel like there's this really big imbalance in you sports by it. Yeah. You know, there's a guy, this guy, Dr. Jim Taylor on the podcast a couple of years ago, and he he's worked with tons of Olympians. He's a sports psychologist and he does a ton of work in the skiing world. And he said, you know, John, in, in 30 years of doing this, here's what I found. Like all parents love their kids. Almost every single parent at some time loves their child in an unhelpful way. And a very small percentage of them are mentally ill. Right. And, and he's like, I, you know, I, am not sure what to do with, you know, so, some of those other ones, but really most can be worked with. And, and then, so what that comes down to is trust. Like as a coach, you have to become a, a trust builder. And so understanding trust and trust is not just your ability Right. And, and once I, I think I understood this better once I had my own children, right. was like, you know, I, I have these beautiful kids, the most important thing to me in the entire world. Why would I trust someone because they could kick a ball or because they're a great skater or they played at such and such a level, right? Like trust, it, it goes so much beyond that. And, and so what I, where I think we can really come in is, is first of all, we, we have to do, we're terrible at coach education, 
right? We do not, coaches are not professionals because they don't act like professionals because they're not engaged in ongoing, not all, right? But too many coaches are not engaged in ongoing, um, you know, life learning, becoming better, right? My wife is a physician and a surgeon. And every year she has hours upon hours of continuing education that she has to do to maintain her board certification, right? And if she doesn't do it, she loses that. That's a professional, right? Teachers do that. That's a professional. How many coaches, you know, last took a coaching course 15 years ago and are coaching the same way that they were coached 40 years ago? And so, <laughs> and, and so this is our issue is we need to start acting like professionals, And then that starts with organizations mandating coach education, not a one-time thing, but an all-time thing and, and, and reading books and listening to this podcast and, and, and constantly getting better and and then challenging their staff. How did you get better this year? How'd you get better this month? What did you learn? What can you bring to the group? Um, Because that's where it starts. Right. Um, and, And then organizations also holding parents accountable for certain Standards and and a, an area of knowledge of how to help their child, right? You shouldn't be waiting in the parking lot after a tough game to yell at the coach about playing time or whatever. You need to give that 24 hours or 48 hours to have that conversation. You shouldn't be posting it on social media. That's not okay. Um, so, so I think organizations should have those standards, but I really think it starts with coaches being better, right? And then building trust. And, and how do you build trust? It goes back to what we did before. You build connections. You connect with each kid. You let kids know and parents know that you're in it for their child. You make that individual phone call. You notice when a kid's struggling and you reach out to a parent and say, you know, hey, um, you know, mom and dad, I, I saw Jeff. He didn't seem like himself, himself out there this week. Um, is everything okay at home? What's going on? And you'd be amazed how many times it's not okay at home. He's being bullied in school. He's, you know, there's a family situation, somebody's sick, whatever. And, and so once you build those connections, it's just amazing how those parents now, when something's not right, they come to you as a coach and be like, you know, Johnny loves you. Like he loves this, but something's off. Can you tell me what's going on? Right. And now we're, now we're building teams and now we're building kids and we're building this level of trust that years later, right? You've poured into kids and, and, and you know what? And then you get a wedding invitation <laughs> from a kid you haven't coached in 15 years. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, and that's when I think, you know, you're, you're doing it right. Now, do you have, yeah, that's amazing. Do you have any kind of like best practices or any tangible things that coaches can potentially do to build some of those connections with the parents or the players? Um, what we've always talked about is just being very upfront and prepared, especially at the beginning of the season, setting expectations, setting standards. Uh, this is okay. This is not okay. Um, you know, I think everybody talks about, Hey, if it's, if it's hockey, I don't want to talk to you, but if it's about the kids' mental health, then please, you know, be the, I want to be the first call so I can help in, in any capacity. Um, but is there anything that you've done or anything that you've seen for some of these youth coaches out here, out there that are listening to this, that can help to create some of those connections that you're talking about, which are really important. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about rule of one, right. Already. So just being really, really intentional about those comments. And, and again, it doesn't always have to come from the head coach, right? You got 20 kids on your hockey roster, 
you don't have to catch 20 kids, but you got three assistant coaches. Like, you know, have we gotten around, you know, have we gotten around to each kid in a week? Right. Cause that can sustain them for a while. Right. So, so it's things like that. And then, and then Jerry, you know, Jerry, Jerry, he has these great acronyms. And, and so one of the things that we teach, he calls it the river. Right. And, you know, if you make people feel relevant, inspired, validated, uh, empowered and respected, right. R I V E R. Right. When you do that for people, um, that's when you're going to see their very best. And if you don't believe that, then uh, do the opposite. Disrespect someone and see what you get. Right. Make them feel like, you know, their opinions don't matter. Um, take away all their autonomy and their ownership. Um, don't inspire them. Right. So yeah. so I think people get that. Right. So and this isn't just sports. This is your job. This is life. This is your relationship with a significant other. When you when you make people feel those things, you see the best version of that person. And and so that's what it's the job of coaches to do that. And it's also the job of coaches to notice when you've missed that or you've done the opposite. And and I, I, I'm the first to say as a coach, I screw this up. Right. But mess up, tidy up, just like you ask your players to do. Right. So so when I do screw it up, when I you know, I, again, I grew up in New York with a lot of, you know, Eastern European and, and, and British coaches coaching me in soccer. Um, sarcasm was uh, one of the ways that I was coached. <laughs> right. But sarcasm, like, it, you know, for some people, like it kind of bounces off you. Right. It never bothered me. I'd laugh. It would hurt a little bit. But I got the point. But some people, it crushes them. Right. And, and so recognizing that, but, you know, just what are, what are your default behaviors as a coach that are not helpful? And then how can you be disciplined about um, doing the opposite, right. Or doing something better. That's coaching. That's being professional. That's amazing. That's such good information. If you can, cause I know I will be getting this question. Can you just say the river acronym one more time? I was watching, I was watching Jeff Wright furiously there. <laughs> hey, Hey, and John, that is uh, quite the compliment because next, <laughs> this might be the first time I've seen him grab a pen. In, uh, I don't write a lot of things down, episodes. <laughs> but I'm writing uh, this one down. So, so the, the river is, is relevant, inspired, validated, empowered, and respected. That's awesome. Immediately when I hear the river, I think of my favorite song of all time, which is Garth Brooks, the river. I don't know. Oh, there you go. Country guy, but Vex, Vex is definitely a country guy. Loves his country music. <laughs> totally. Smells like <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's amazing. So the stuff that we're talking about here, John, I, I think, you know, in, in reading some of your blogs and listening to you, the one thing that you talk about when it comes to creating culture is you want to create a culture that's transformational, not transactional. And I think a lot of what we're talking about really relates to that one statement right there. So if you can just expand a little bit on what you mean by wanting it to create a, uh, a transformational culture rather than transactional. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, transactional is a, is about what do I get out of this? Right. I, I, I transact. Right. So, you know, I remember someone saying, you know, a perfect example is you buy season tickets for your, you know, local hockey thing. And, and, you know, the transaction is I pay the money, I get that seat. Now, if my experience is lousy, if the team sucks, um, if the person next to me spills beer on me every week, you know, the organization for the most part says, well, it was just a transaction, right? You paid, we delivered that. 
And I think far too many coaches or organizations act in that is that you sign your kid up and well, you just paid to learn hockey. You didn't pay for any of this other stuff. Whereas everything else we're talking about is a transformational experience, right? It focuses on who's in front of me. You know, it focuses on, um, you know, I coach the person, not the sport. It focuses on human development, not just athlete development. And it puts, it doesn't, you know, in a transactional coach puts himself first. If I win with my 12s, I get to coach the 16s and then maybe I'll coach the blues. Right. And it's like, you know, and, and, and so we have so many youth coaches coaching that way is that their next step is the pro team. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter to those 12 year olds, you know, it, to that extent that, you know, they'd rather get playing time than win every game. And so I think your, you know, the transformational coach takes the long view puts herself or himself last, right? And says, how do I serve my athletes? How do I serve the group? And if I do that, then I will be served as well. And, and I really think that starts with getting in touch with like your purpose. You know, why, why do I coach? Why do I, why do I even do this? Because um, there's far better ways to make money, right? And, and so it's like, you know, you, you, you do this because probably in your life, you had a coach or a sporting experience that was, you know, transformational for you that helped you through a difficult time that got you to where you are today. And so most people coach to give back. Um, but I think the sport culture of today, oftentimes separates us from our purpose, our true yeah. purpose, and then we have to get in touch with that purpose again and again and again. Yeah, for sure. So how would you go about giving advice to coaches who feel like we're coaching in an environment where it's very hard to do that? And we live in a results-based um, culture in, in the world, let alone youth sports. Um, it's, it's hard to quantify um, a, an impact that you've made on a player, but it's easy to quantify wins and losses, right? It's easy mm -hmm. to quantify dollars and cents and things like that. So I know just from doing the Hockey Think Tank podcast, and I'm sure you've had a lot of other conversations where sometimes coaches feel like it's difficult in the environment that we're in to really coach the way that we want to coach because there's all this external pressure from parents or organizations to, to win and recruit super teams and, and all of that kind of stuff. So like, how, how would you go about having a conversation with a coach like myself and others that feel the pinch sometimes when we feel like maybe the things that we want to do, we have to really step outside our comfort zone mm -hmm. uh, to be able to do that and coach that way? Yeah. I mean, we have the ideal world and we have the real world and we talk we about that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we have to navigate the two because you can't just say, um, you know, when you're coaching young soccer players or hockey players, um, you know, it's just about development and wins don't matter because some of the kids, you know, the kids want to compete and, and it feels good to win. Yeah. Right. Um, I, the, the way that I best describe it, uh, I'll take the quote, from a man named Aaron Quinn, and he is the uh, athletic director at Middlebury College now in Vermont. Um, but uh, he was also, he won three NCAA titles as a lacrosse coach there. So this is someone who's been there as a coach and been there as an AD. And he says, um, outcome aware, but purpose and process driven, right? And I really, really love that idea, right? So we're aware we want to win, but how do we win? Like you guys have been coaching a long time is there a winning practice? Like this is the practice we do to win. No, you can't teach winning. You can teach competing, 
right? You can teach accountability. You can teach, you know, dealing with the details and, and being really hyper-focused on the process and getting a little bit better every day. That's what great coaches do, right? And, and then they keep the group, you know, focused on, um, you know, what does great look like on a daily basis? Like when I take over teams, I usually tell them the first thing, like the first six months, we're going to learn how to practice properly. Because if you show up at practice and you're not paying attention, someone's not listening and someone else wants to be somewhere else, you know, who cares how many hours of practice you have? It's the quality of those hours. So I work really hard on, you know, creating, you know, less hours of higher quality work together. We learn how to practice. We come up with non-negotiables that when you, when you walk in, when you put on your shoes, this is how we do things here, Right. And then if you string enough of those practices together, you're going to be pretty darn good, right? And, and this is especially at the youth level and people will develop fast and people will get better. Um, so, so at the end of the day, yeah, on the weekend, I want to win, but what am I willing to compromise to win? I'm not willing to compromise, oh, these five kids don't play at age 12 because then I know they're going to quit, Right. And I think I have to serve a bigger purpose than win this weekend because I can guarantee you, hey, ask any parent, hey, remember two years ago, May 3rd, what was the score of that game? No one remembers, right? But if that kid didn't get a kid on that team didn't get in for the third game in a row and quit hockey or quit soccer, I remember that, right? So I, I think this is to go ideal and real world. How do we find that balance? Right. How do we get players meaningful playing time in games so that if there's 10 minutes left and it's tied, we can put out a lineup that gives us the best chance to win rather than look at the bench and say, oh, my God, John didn't get in yet. How am I going to put him in here? We need a goal, you know, and, and so this is this is creative coaching. Um this is putting players in situations because how will you ever know if a kid's good unless he or she is put in a situation where, where, you know, the game is tied, right. Or they start a game <laughs> or they finish a game. Um, so, so this is like, I, I mean, th this is just, this is being that creative coach who says, yeah, at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot better if we win this weekend, but I'm not willing to compromise everything. And I've let my parents know that. And I've let the players know that. Um, uh, and that, you know what, there might be certain games at the end of the year that I say, this one is a little more, little more compromised to get a result because if we get a result, then we get another game out of it or something. But I think as long as I'm upfront with that and the older kids get, the more that makes sense. I don't think a high school varsity athlete should expect playing time unless he or she earns it. Right. But I think a 10 year old should. Well, on, on top of that, too, when you coach that way, which is how I was coached uh, when I turned 17, I was the worst player on the team my first year of junior hockey in the USHL. Uh, I was like the 13th forward out of 12, like in and out of the lineup. Right. The coach, very intense coach, but like he was very process driven. Everything was about the process, like the power is in the process, you know, practice like it's a game if you're not going to get into the games. And I started to focus all my energy on the process instead of the result, which for me at the time was just trying to get into a game, let alone get playing time. Mm -hmm. That changed my entire hockey career. Like, mm -hmm. that's the reason I got a scholarship. That's the reason I signed an NHL deal. That's the reason I played 10 years pro is because mm -hmm. 
that coach was so process driven, which got us the results of winning, you know, at the higher levels, but it ingrained into me that, that focus on the process. And that's what truly matters. And that's where the growth happens within yourself, within the team and things like that. And it changed my career. It changed my life. My whole business is founded on like focusing on winning today, focus on the process of today, everything we're doing today. Like you said, too many people, especially coaches that I see too, are just so about the outcome. And especially in like youth sports, like it's all the process and teaching to love the process, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, coming back from bad days, you know, staying even keel on the good days. And I think if more coaches just focused on that and teaching that and harboring the love for the power of the process, I think everything else takes care of itself when you do that, whether you're a coach or a player or a parent or a teacher or anything. Mm -hmm. Amen to that right there. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Um, uh, You guys remember the American football coach, John Madden, he used to say winning's the best deodorant, right? So when you win, (laughs) nothing else stinks, right? But, (laughs) but, but, but when you think about that, right, like you're as an athlete, when you don't win, or as a coach, you don't win, you're far more critical, and you're far more analytical then if, if you pulled it out at the end and, and the challenge as a coach is how do I bring, like Jeff, you just said, like the same approach, whether I win or lose when I break down the game, because there's always something that went well and there's all the stuff that needs work. And, and, and I have to bring both of that. And, you know, your story is, is very similar. I mean, I had Marty St. Louis on the podcast because Marty was, he was done at UVM, but he was just breaking into the pros when, when I was working there and he used to come back in the summers and spend his summers in Burlington. And uh, I just remember, you know, when I met him the first time, he was like the hardest working guy I'd ever seen. I mean, he showed up before everyone else he stayed after and he was just breaking in with the, with Calgary at the time before he got traded to Tampa Bay. And, you know, he talked uh, on the podcast about his time in, in Calgary, how, um, you know, he was, back and forth to the minors. He was the fourth line guy. He was the checking line or whatever. And he's like, you know, I'd never been that. I'd always been the top scorer and all this, but he goes, but what I learned in that season, even though it didn't work out in Calgary and obviously it worked out great in, in Tampa and, and then in with the Rangers, he's like, what I learned in, in that time added to my game so much. And I hated every moment of it. Cause I'm like, why am I not, you know, playing on the first line? Why am I not on the power play? Why am I not on this? You know, look at everything I've done in my career. He's like, but I was a better player when I got to Tampa because of that experience. And, 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 and how many kids when they're put in that difficult situation or, or, you know, they're struggling every practice, um, you know, the parents look for an out instead of saying, Hey, what's good about this? And two, two things about that. And I know Toph is about to probably say the same thing because Marty came on our podcast and one of the best quotes from our 200 or whatever episode we're on now is Marty St. Louis saying, I was the best at getting better. Yep. He uh, said that to me whoa. too. Whoa. I wrote that one, I wrote that one down. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that, one. that one down too. That one's in my notes. And it's just like, that's a process driven thing. Yeah. That's not an outcome thing. And I actually like, to go along with this, I just, uh, so in the, in the hockey season, when all my guys are gone playing wherever they're playing, I trained some of the guys' moms who I'm closest with these kids. And uh, one of the kids' moms was 
taught, I, I gave his mom some advice and him about going in and talking to his coach and, and things that he needs to do, um, talking to the coach. And it's like what you just said about Marty going back to like coaches, he hated every second of it, but it wound up making him better. I wish more coaches when players are in that situation would talk to the player mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, I know the situation you're in right now. It's not mm-hmm. easy, but guess what? This is going to make you better. Like, and then teach them, coach them, you know, be there for them, like river it, you know, tell them the relevancy of like, you know, brought that back mm-hmm. in, tell them the relevancy of what they're doing right now. Hey, Marty, I know you were a goal scorer in college mm-hmm. right now. You're learning a different aspect of the game. And I promise you down the road, this is going to make you a better hockey player, you know, mm-hmm. inspire them by teaching them the relevancy and just go to validate their hard work. Hey, I notice you're getting here early, Marty. I notice you're staying late. I see that you care. That's empowering them. We're using the river method, baby. You know, like <laughs> I wish more coaches would take five minutes to talk to players because I didn't have that. And I had all this anxiety and like stress. And like, I'd come to the rink on game day, so nervous, sweating the whole day. Am I playing today? Like, am I going to get in? What's going to be my role? I have no idea. Whereas Mm -hmm. if that coach took two minutes to like go over this stuff right now with me, I would have been able to focus on the process of the day instead of worrying all day long. Am I going to play? And then not even playing well because worrying all day. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the mental health and just mental skills aspect of, of coaching now that I think we're all responsible for. And and you just hit the nail on the head. Like it doesn't take a lot, right? It doesn't take a lot to pull that person aside and say, you're going to play today, be third line. Uh, Here's what I want you to focus on, right? Here's your focus for today. So just prepare for that. And, And that kind of stuff is, like that, that, that gets people there. And, and this is where we have to realize, like, as the adult in the room, coach, parent, we have the life experience to give young athletes perspective on this struggle, on this moment. And, and, you know, you, you know, especially like, you know, you guys have been around this a long time, like, you know, like a 12 year old boy could have a five year developmental age swing, right? So you could have the body of a 10 year old or the body of a 15 year old, right? You watch the little league world series and they're like, wow, look at this amazing pick uh, picture. And you're like, he's got a mustache. <laughs> and of course he's crushing people, you know? Um, so, so like you look at that and, and, and you have to give kids perspective. And so you might have this super technically skilled you know, young hockey player who then at 13 goes into, and now there's checking and he's small and whatever, but, but you can see, you have all these abilities that will eventually make you stand out when you grow. So how do I nurture that kid's development versus the kid who's bigger, stronger, faster than everyone. And who's ignoring the technical and tactical development because they don't have to. And you know, well, guess what? In five years, everyone's going to be big, fast and strong. And you're not going to be on the team anymore because you haven't developed the other characteristics. And so you're, you're dead on like as a coach, having those conversations, helping kids understand you're not toughening them up by telling them nothing, right? You're, you're, you're leaving them in, in limbo and you're not getting the best out of them. Versus giving them some some perspective in this and and sharing your own experiences if you have them as as an athlete, you know, I mean, I, I had so many injuries like, you know, I, I make a huge point, you know, to, to kids to, to visit with them if they break a leg or do their knee or something like that, because I've been through long rehabs, I know what it's like, um, and I know how lonely it can be. 
And so, you know, having someone there who, you know, is pulling for you is huge. Vex, I feel like the last two minutes that John was talking could have been the best synopsis of our podcast and what we talk about ever. hundred <laughs> percent. Right? That's like, like our podcast in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, that was, that was amazing. So, so John, one, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about too, uh, when it comes to, to coaching. And I think this is even, uh, it, I don't think I, I, I really believe that these two words that you think are very important are are very, very important. And I've always felt like the best players that I've had the opportunity to coach guys that have gone on to play division one and in the NHL and things like that. um, The one habit that they had, I think more than anybody else is they were curious. They were very, very curious about the game, about their own game, about their craft, about what other people were doing. They were always asking questions and they were always curious. And I feel like that is um, just a staple among very, very high achieving, not even necessarily um, athletes, but just people in general. They're always looking to find ways to get better, always looking for a competitive advantage. And, and I know that uh, I think you you wrote at some point that they're magic words. The two magic words are I'm curious. So yeah. I'm curious to um, see from you why you think that way uh, because we do feel like that's really really important as well yeah i mean genuine curiosity is i think a, a staple of of leadership of of coaching of of teaching but because you know what what do they what do they what do they say you know communication is mostly nonverbal, right and so it doesn't matter what you people don't remember what you what you say or what you do, they remember how you make them feel and they remember, um, you know, and and they model what you model, right? So when you're a coach and you are curious and you're getting better and you're adding twists and, and you're saying like, you know, here's a perfect example during, you know, 2020 June, when um, we were able to start doing soccer again in Oregon, uh, our kids all had to wear masks, right? So it's 95 degrees, you're outside, and you're practicing and it's hot. Right. And, and so they have to wear masks the whole time for us to be out there. And so I I got really good in those moments of talking to the kids that I was coaching. These kids at the time were 13 or 12. Right. And just being like, Hey, I'm curious. How was that? Is that long enough, short enough? You know, how are you feeling? You know, can we push it a little more? Do we need to back off? Right. And, and it's amazing when kids feel like that, that, you know, when, when they get to weigh in on, on, on what's happening that now they buy in, right. Because this is the practice they asked for. This is the intensity they asked for versus when, you know, you're just, you know, hammering them because I don't know what it feels like to be sprinting around in 95 degrees with a mask on. Right. But there, that's obviously what, what they're doing. Um, And so to me, this is that, that curiosity is, is key. And, and for athletes, that curiosity or that love of learning. And, and I think what I would also add into that is like, you have to have a love of discomfort, right? You can't cruise along being comfortable all the time, right? You got to add weight in the weight room. You got to add reps, you got to add things. And I think people who are really good are people who are, um, you know, in love with the process of being uncomfortable because they don't view comfort or discomfort as a bad thing. They view it as a good thing because that's where learning happens. And that's where, that's where you get better. And, and so um, I think when we're working with young kids, teaching them to be comfortable, being uncomfortable is, is, is a key, key thing for sure. 
For sure. And, and I think that's it, your first meeting that you have with your players. That has to be one of the first things that you say is like, Hey, listen, guys or, or girls, like this is not going to be easy. If mm-hmm. you don't have a passion for this, if you don't love what you're doing, this might be a tough year for you. <laughs> you know, um, my, my job is to make you uncomfortable because nothing ever happens great inside the comfort zone. And just like we've been talking about this whole time, just being upfront and honest and prepared with those kinds of meetings and in, in laying out what the expectations are. Um, it's just, it's, it's so important because if you just snap your fingers and make it uncomfortable one day when it's been a, a life of luxury of comfort for the first, however little bit, then you're going to have a lot of issues. But if the expectation going in is like, Hey, this is going to be hard. This is why we're making it hard. This is why it's going to make you better. Let's go, let's do this. Um, it, you just, the, the, the buy-in for it from not just like, the, the kids, but the parents too. And we've talked about the parents. One of the things that I do at the beginning of every year in my parents meeting with the parents is, is say like, this is going to be hard for your kids and we need to be on the same page here. And also I'm probably going to be too hard on them at times. Like I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up. And if there's things that you hear about your kids, you know, mental health or whatever, like if they're upset about something that I said, like, have them come in and please have them come in and talk about it with me because mm-hmm. I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to test the limits and I'm trying to see what their limits are. And sometimes I'm going to cross that and I'm going to make mistakes. And so I just feel like that being upfront about it and having those difficult conversations at the front end of what you're going to be doing can help you so much throughout the process of trying to make your kids and trying to make your team better. Totally. And you're, <clears throat> as a coach, you're going to get kids who that's normal that's how they're raised and you're going to get kids who have the opposite and they've coasted along. And every time, you know, it, it, you know, to, to steal, I don't know whose line it is, right. People who, you know, try to prepare the path for the child and not the child for the (laughs) path. Right. And so you're going to, um, you're going to encounter those kids in a group setting in a group dynamic. And, And the challenge of coaching is how do I coach each individual within that? So I can be demanding without being demeaning. Right. I can I can push people and make them uncomfortable in an environment of love and respect and not fear and intimidation. And I can prepare people that this is going to happen. And when your kid is being pushed, when it's too much, then let's have a conversation about it Um, because he's not going to get better. She's not going to get better if she's not being pushed. And if you want your child to be able to stick with this group, right, you coach at a, at a high level of, of competitive people who are pushing and pushing and pushing. It's like, if you want to stick, you're going to have to push and push and push, right? If your son wants to be comfortable, someone's going to pass him by very, very soon here. And, and they're going to be out of this group and off this team. Um, so that's their choice, right? And maybe <clears throat> this isn't what they want. This is what you want for them. But unless they're willing to invest then they're not going to get there. And so, yeah, I, I mean, some, there's something about drive and, and passion and, and just something internal that I think the greats have that um, others don't, right? And when combined with genetics and <laughs> luck and other things, um, hard work, that's when those are the people you get to watch on TV. But none of them are there without without drive i guess maybe if you're like a superhuman seven foot tall person you might get a shot in the nba but you won't hang around 
Yeah. So, so last question for you then just kind of rounding this all out, how as coaches and, and as parents, can we help to instill that internal drive? Because it, it is a balancing act. Some of it comes from the kid and how much they enjoy what they're doing and love what they're doing, but that also we have to put them in environments where they can fall in love with the things that they're falling in love with. So how can we as adults put kids in situations and environments where I, and I think we can all agree. I think the number one ingredient in the recipe for whatever you want to call success in, in sports is, is love and passion for what you're doing. Um, how can we put these kids in situations and environments where they can develop that? I mean, there's definitely something internal about it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think anyone who has kids know that wow, your kids are really different and you see it from a very young age, right? So there's a nature piece and then there's a nurture piece. And, um, you know, let's call genetics is the ceiling, right? You, you can't, you can't train beyond your genetics to, and, and, and it's different in every sport, right? But like, you, you know, certain sports require certain things, right? If you don't, if you, if you don't have very many fast twitch muscle fibers, genetically, you're not beating Usain Bolt, right? <laughs> it's just never going to happen. Um, and so, and I'm never running a two hour marathon. So like, wh whatever, the, these are, these are the things genetics might be the ceiling, but then the environment is what gets you as close to that ceiling as possible. Um, and, and so, you know, I just think, um, we, you know, you surround kids with driven peers, they're more likely to be driven, you surround them with slackers, they're more likely to be slackers, because kids like to fit in. Um, you, you tell them the truth, right? You tell them the truth and, and say, look around you, what are they doing on your day off? What are you doing on the day off? Because if you're playing Fortnite, and they're in the gym, right? If you do that one time, that's nah, not going to make a big difference. But if that's their habit and your habit is Fortnite, where do you think that's going to lead in six months, in a year, in three years, when they've accumulated this many more hours than you, you know, and help your kids see that. Now, if you don't want that, that's fine, but be realistic with what you're investing. Um, and, and this is where parents and, and coaches can be truth tellers. And and to be a truth teller, you know, you, you have to, um, you know, build this bond that can bear that burden of truth. You can't be a truth teller right out the gate. Sometimes it's pretty tough. Totally. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for, for coming on here and, and, and talking to us about all this stuff. Um, I feel like I became a better coach and, <laughs> and, no uh, and person today. So we really appreciate it before we let you go. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? You got a couple books, you got a podcast, you got, uh, speaking, uh, you got a lot of stuff on the go. So if you can just let, let our listeners know, cause I'm sure a bunch of them are going to want to hear more from you. Yeah, sure. So the, the hub is changing the game project.com. That's the website. You can find the podcast called way of champions. Uh, you can find that on all the main podcast, uh, uh, platforms. Um, and then the books, the coach book is called every moment matters. And the book I wrote for parents is called changing the game. Those are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those, uh, sort of platforms. And uh, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of speaking and in, in happening in COVID these days, but I, I was going to tell you, Topher, I'm going to be in Chicago, November 3rd. So Oh, there, there we go. go. Okay. Yeah. What do you got going on here? 
just working with a school district uh, out there. I think uh, Wheaton, Wheaton, Warrenville. Sure. That is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Welcome. So I'll be out there <laughs> November 3rd. So we might have to grab a cup of coffee. Yeah, I like it. Well, I'm off to Portland a couple of weeks after that for Thanksgiving to see some mm-hmm. uh, my my sister's uh my not my sister my wife's sister lives out there so we're gonna be out in oregon so yeah if you're around let's let's uh let's catch up that would be great sounds great okay thanks a lot thank you guys this was super fun this was this was like i said conversations like this is why i started the podcast